Sorry. Okay, first of all, big shkach to uh, Joy Greenstein. Where's Joy? Over there he is. Uh, for sponsoring the learning, the breakfast, it should be Ischus, Leonishmas, David, Shlema, Ben, Aaron. Shoshav and Aliyah. When the Shamas go up, good things come down. So it should be, it should, it should be a source of bracha and shef and hatzlacha for you, the whole mishpacha, for all of Kalal Yisrael. So the past, uh, I guess, month or so, you know, we were learning, we, we began learning Sefer Yeshua. So we have yet to actually start <laughs> the Sefer itself, so we have an introduction. So I feel bad, we're going to continue with our introductions uh, this week. And next week we'll actually start learning Sefer Yeshua. So we're going to learn this morning for just a few minutes is um, something that's also related to the parsha. Think about this on Shabbos, and it, it somewhat ties up sort of a number of like loose ends, I guess, or a lo- number of different things that we've been talking about the past few weeks on Shabbos and and uh, Shirin during the week. We'll begin like this, you know, in in, in Parshas Pinchas, we just learned on Shabbos, we have the the story of Moshe Rabbeinu appointing Yeshua Benun as the next leader, the appointment of Yeshua Benun. And so let's just I'll just share with you just a few pesukim what it says, how it describes that. Scene of Moshe Rabbeinu appointing Yeshua Benun, and we have to understand again. There's a klal nesvarim. The beginning is is always the ikker, right? So the moment of where Yeshua Benun is becoming the leader and how he becomes the next leader, that sort of has to embody who Yeshua Benun is and what his role is in the Jewish people and what Sefer Yeshua is about and our entrance into Eretz Yisrael. Everything. So just uh, the pasuk says as follows: that Moshe Rabbeinu says to Rabbi Nishlaylam, Yifkar Hashem lo keiruches l'chalbasar ishal eida. So the Rabbani, Moshe Rabbeinu makes a demand even. He demands of the Rabbani Shleilam, listen, you just told me that I'm not going to make it into Eretz Yisrael. Fine, I accept. But you have to appoint a person that's going to take over after me. Now, the Moshe Rabbeinu describes that the quality of this future leader, so it's going to be Yeshua Nun, is that he has to be someone that's similar to Hashem in terms of Elokei Haruchais, the God of Spirits. What does that mean? So Rashi brings down from Chazal that Moshe Rabbeinu was requesting that the next leader should be someone that is able to navigate the spirit of each individual Jew. That it should be someone that should understand the needs and the, the, and the, and the you know, the demands of the needs of every single year, what they particularly need. That's the definition of a leader. And so then the Rabbanu Shem says, fine, Hashem says to fine, take the person that has this quality of being able to understand the nature and the quality of each individual person. And then the Rabbanu Shem says, You should place your hands upon his head, give him smicha, give him smicha. And then the Pasuk goes on, okay. And by doing so, you're going to give over of your glory to Yeshua Benun. And that will establish him as the new leader, and that's what happens. So what we find over here is something unique, that the way the Yeshua Benun was appointed the new leader was through the process of smicha. Of smicha, okay? Through the process of smicha. And this, this began... The chain of smicha that would start with Yeshua Nun and will go all the way to, to the times of the Tanaim. Smicha. So somehow smicha must be related to who Yeshua Nun was as a leader and what his role is in the Jewish people and, and say for Yeshua, smicha. So let's, be, let's, let's learn a little bit just about the sugya smicha. This is something I talked about. I, can't remember, I was trying to look at my nose when I talked about this. I don't, rem- I can't, I don't remember when, so I'm hoping uh, you guys don't either. So this is a, it's a, a, a sugya. I, I spoke about it a little bit, but again, to tie it together with uh, some of the with, with Yeshua and some of the other inyanim that we've been talking about. So, what exactly is smicha? Okay, so n- nowadays when a person gets smicha, a person becomes a rabbi, whatever. So, uh, smicha nowadays is not what smicha really was. Smicha nowadays, simply put, is just a uh, a piece of paper 
proving that you could uh, answer Shaila, and I mean a little bit more that your your that your Rebbe is giving you permission to paskin. But that's not really what smicha was. Smicha, the way it was starting from Yeshu Benon, was a link going back to Meshar Benu, allowing the person to deal with certain halachika, have certain to have a certain halachic authority to take care of things that otherwise you wouldn't be able to do. So you can't give mal- malchus, you can't give punishments, you can't give capital punishment for sure, even certain monetary uh, punishments and so on, you can't do unless you have this, this clear smicha. And this smicha had to be from Rebbe to Talmud, from Aisha to Yeshua, v'chul v'chul, all the way down to the last person that received smicha. So now we know that, uh, again, just to go into that sugi of smicha for a few minutes, we know that this, this chain of smicha ultimately was broken, and it, and it ended by uh, some point later to nine, it ended. And ever since then, obviously you have rabbis, you could pass in the shaila, is this chicken kosher, is it not kosher, and things like that. But in terms of having this authority of smicha, of being able to, we'll see soon what, it, what, it, what smicha can do, but to, but to give punishments and to, and to establish obligations on people outside of what they would anyway be obligated on their own, this is something that we don't, that we don't have anymore. Now, how would we get it back? Because again, it's important, you know, you can't, you, you, in order for to have a Beis HaMikdash, to have a king, to have Navu, I mean, you need, you need smicha, you need a Sanhedrin. You can't have a Sanhedrin without smicha. So how do you get it back? So, again, I've, I've mentioned this before, in the Rishonim there are two approaches in terms of how to get smicha back. Taisa says in a few places, that what's going to be when Mashiach comes is that Elyonavi is going to come back. And Elyonavi, who was Pinchas, received smicha from Aishavain, just as Yishu Benun did. And so he is going to come back and he'll restart the chain because he had smicha. But there's a chiddush from the Rambam. It's well known. The Rambam had a chiddush that it's possible to restart smicha even without anything miraculous like a person coming back like Elyonavi. You could mamish restart it. How so? The Rambam writes in a couple places that it seems to him that if all the chachamim of Eretz Yisrael were to agree on one particular person that he is worthy of smicha, that restarts smicha. If all the chachamim of Eretz Yisrael agree on this person to restart smicha, fine. That's the Rambam. He writes this in Pirush Mishnayis in his commentary to Mishnayis. He writes this in Yad Chazaka to restart smicha like that. Now, okay, that's the idea. Now this became a practical point in the 1500s, right? It's a well-known, well-known Misa. After the Spanish Inquisition, so after 1492, right? So after that time, a lot of, obviously, you know, the Jewish Queen of Spain was dispersed. And the Jewish people started scattering, you know, from that place all over. And a lot of them came to Eretz Yisrael. So the, the, in Eretz Yisrael at the time, there were two sort of headquarters, two, uh, you know, uh, centers of, of Tyre, of Yidin. There was Tzvas in the north, and Yerushalayim in the south. Okay? The majority of the Chachamim, the bigger center, was certainly in the north in Tzvat. Now, the Chachamim of Tzad at the time, were, these, were, these were giants of Tzad, big Mekubalim, big Tzadikim, big Tamidicham, huge people. And there was a, 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 a movement that was made in the north of Eretz at the time to restart Smicha. They wanted to restart Smicha. Now, what they did was, and therefore it's a historical fact, we know this, that all the Chacham of Tzvat got together and decided on a few people that they are worthy of smicha, and they felt, according to the Rambam, were able to restart smicha, and that's what they did. So these few people received smicha, the Beis Yosef, the Beis Yosef, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, was a Talmud of one of the people that received smicha, so he received smicha in this way. This is what happened. Now this created a huge tumult, because the Chachamim of Yerushalayim 
headed by the Meribi Rav from the Gedali Hadar, was not part of this uh, assembly. So he made a whole, a whole to do. Now, there was a whole, there's a lot of, we have a whole safer of letters back and forth between the Chacham of Tzvas with the Chacham of Yerushalayim, going back and forth about this issue. But there's two points to make. The, the, one, the one issue to mention, again, we're going to see what this means in Pinimis very soon. But the one point that the core machlag, the Chacham of Yerushalayim felt that this assembly, this smicha that was restarted in Tzvat, was not halachically valid. Why? What was the issue? The issue boils down to one central point. The Rambam said in order to restart smicha, you need all the Chacham of Eretz Yisrael to agree. So the Chacham of Yishlam said, listen, you want to start restart smicha like the Rambam? Very nice. We're also the Chacham of Eretz Yisrael. And the Rambam said all the Chacham of Eretz Yisrael have to agree. You didn't, you didn't get our vote. So it's not going to work. The Chacham of Tzfat said, okay, you know, with all due respect, we know a, a rule in halacha, which is rubai is kakulai. The majority is like the whole thing. So even though the Rambam says that you need all the chachamim, really, technically, all you should need is most of the chachamim. And guess what? Most of the chachamim are in Svat, and they were part of the assembly. So the, the halachic nakuda over here between the, the, the chacham of Tzvas and the chacham of Yishalayim was, what does the Rambam mean? Does he mean that you literally need every single chacham of Eretz Yisrael to be... Uh, part of this decision, or, or it's no different than any other area of halacha, which is rubai kakul, that the majority is enough. That was one nakuda that you see this throughout the letters. But there was another nakuda, which is the Chum of Yishalayim had an issue. It's like, why are you doing this? <laughs> like, what exactly is motivating you to do this? Like, wh- where, where is this coming from? Our grandparents never did this. Uh, why all of a sudden now? And now this second nakuda of why are you interested in starting smich all of a sudden, this is, clear, this is an issue where the Chum of Tzvats were not really uh, fully transparent in terms of their intentions. The, the reasons that they gave, the, one, the main reason that they, that they said over, which is clearly, I mean, according to tradition, it's really not the full picture, was the following, that since you, we just had the Spanish Inquisition, okay, and because of that, we know that uh, obviously many Yidin were exiled and you know, even died al Kiddush Hashem, but there were many Yidin that became Moranos, right? That they, uh, they, on the outside, accepted Christianity. They were not living a life of Yiddishkeit. And on the inside, they were, uh, you know, in privacy, and in privacy, they were keeping their lives as Yidin. And slowly but surely, when they found their way to escape Spain, they found their way to Eretz Yisrael. And so the Chacham of Tzvas had the following issue. Their issue was that these Yidin were coming to them and saying, listen, we need a kapara. We need a kapar. We were living a life like Christians, serving over the Zara, let's say, you know. And a person serves over the Zara, it's a table of or a yichayv karis, you know, for such a thing. So we want a kapar. Now, the, the problem is, what are, you, what are we supposed to do? You know, do tshuva, but you need a... You need a the halach is that if a person is chayv karis, right, a person's chayv misa, whatever, and for whatever reason, Bezdin decides to give them malchus, to give them lashes. So the Mishnah says in Sanhedrin that a person that's chayv karis, but for whatever reason, gets lashes by Bezdin, becomes putter from the punishment in heaven of Karis. So the Eitzah that the Chav Motzvahs had is that if we can give these people Malkus, if we can give them lashes, that'll take care of the punishment of Karis that's hanging over their heads for the fact that they were living as Christians for all those, for all those years. The problem is we can't give Malkus because we don't have Smicha. Oh. Okay, so let's start restart smicha. In order that we should be able to give them malchus, and if we give them lashes, we give them malchus, they'll be able to have a kapara from the kares that's hanging over them. That was the reason that they gave. So now, then the letter started flooding back to Tzvas. What are you, what are you talking about? First of all, first of all, 
who says you should take that upon yourself to give people malchus, which is not what they're technically obligated, just to, you know, to potter them from karis. But, but more than that, they're not chayiv karis. It was annoying this. They, 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 were, they, were, they weren't supposed to. They, they, you should give up your life, and they should have exiled themselves. But Lamaisa, they weren't able to withstand that test, and they lived the life of Christianity, but it was under duress. It was annoyingness. You're not chayv karis for that. So the whole thing is a... So clearly there's something, there was something missing. There's something that the Chacham Mitzvah were not saying. So what was the real reason why they wanted to restart Smicha? So the, the truth is that within the inner circle of the Mekubalim over there, the tradition is, is that the real reason why they wanted to restart Smicha is because they understood, they felt, that Davka after the Spanish Inquisition, there was a huge awakening, there was a huge window of opportunity to bring Mashiach. That's really what it was. And the Chacham of Tzvat felt that in order to push, you know, to get, to get us over the, over the hump, in order to bring Mashiach, we, we needed to restart Smicha. The very reality, this is the Nakuda, the very reality of having people on planet Earth with Smicha, having a Bezin, even if they're not doing anything, but if just having Smicha be restarted, it itself is a tremendous school, is a tremendous energy, tremendous power, in order to get us over the hump and to bring Mashiach. And that's why they were uh, so focused on bringing smicha back. Now, they didn't say this to Chom Yishalayim, but that was the idea, that smicha itself, the very reality of smicha, has this hisarus, this ability to bring Mashiach. Okay, so, th- so, so we have two things to think about. Two things to think about right now. Really, I guess three things. Number one, why? Why is smicha so powerful in terms of bringing Gula? Number one. Number two, why did the Rabbani Shalom Hashkacha protest with the Divine Providence? It didn't, it didn't work out, you know. Smicha, even after those, that, after they restarted Smicha and Tzfas, and they gave, it, they gave it to a few people, and those few people gave it to their students, but then it petered out. Because of this machlokes between Tzfas and Yerushalayim, it never really had lasting power. So the question, the second question is, Hashkacha protest, what, why is it that the Smicha fell apart Davka because of this issue between, the, between Tzfas and Yerushalayim about whether you need all the Chachamim or just the majority. Why was that, how, why was it that the Rabbani Shalom sort of used that as the, as the mechanism in which to break it apart? Okay. And thirdly, what is this with Yishuv right? Remember, Yishuv became a leader, Davka, through the process of Smicha. Okay, so what, what exactly is the Chiddush of Smicha? What's the difference between when a person goes to a rabbi, you know, ask, yeah, Sure, of course. I might, I, no promises that I'll answer it then. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I only prepared the, the answers to my questions. The question may be uh, <laughs> yeah. Could be that was the, the that was the sudden getting getting in the way, but we'll see about that. It could be it's related to this issue whether it was all or majority. We'll see, we'll see about that. And it's Bashkacha Prat. It's also why it's Svad versus Yerushalayim. We'll see. To rely on Roy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like why go? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good question. It's a good question. Again, I'm, no promises that I'll be able to answer now, but uh, it's a good question. Okay. So okay. What, what, so what is the difference between what exactly does Smicha do? 
what exactly does smicha do? When you go to a person to ask a question, like what, what exactly is the difference between whether the person you're asking has smicha, doesn't have smicha? So it's like this. Without, without smicha, without smicha, here, let me, let me give you the following scenario, okay? The following scenario. Very often it works out in life that there seems to be, I guess you can say, two truths, okay? Put it this way. There's the truth of Tyra, and then there's the truth of, like, reality. What do I mean? So, you know, let, let's say you have two people. Classic cases in the Gemara, right? You have, uh, the Gemara talks about a scenario, okay? Reuven and Shimon, one borrows uh, money from the other, so obviously he has to pay back. And the Gemara will talk about certain claims that Reuven will have to Shimon, Shimon will have to Reuven, back and forth. And the Gemara will, t- will tell you what the truth should be. But the truth is, Reuven should pay $100, whatever. That was, that's the truth of Tyra. But then there's sort of the truth of reality, which is that very often, you know, Ruvain does not owe Shimon $100, right? But Ruvain is a smart guy. Maybe he learned the Gemara, you know what I'm saying? And he comes to Bezdin, and, you know, he'll, he'll say what he needs to say in order to make, you know, make it seem as if, uh, as if he's owed money. And so now you have this conflict, very often. You have a conflict between what the Torah says the truth is and what the reality is. What the reality is. Did, did Reuven actually borrow money or not? So very often the reality is, what did, Reuven, did Reuven borrow money? Did he not? There's a physical reality to that truth. And then there's the truth of what Torah says in, in these situations. And very often they don't match eye to eye. They don't seem to, to meet. So you could have a scenario where Reuven, reality is Reuven owes Shimon $100. But because he's able to say certain things in Bezdin, and he's able to play, you know, to navigate uh, accordingly, so he'll get away with not paying $100. Or vice versa, sometimes he owes the money, and he'll get away with not paying. And you have this conflict between reality of what, of what actually happened. Did he borrow the money, or did he not borrow the money? That's one reality. And then you have this other reality, of what it says in Shulchan Aruch, theoretical ideas, what should be. There's the emiss of Tyra, so to speak, and then there's the emiss of what reality is down here, what actually happened. Without smicha, when a person goes to a, a rav for a question like, you know, do I owe the money or not? Without smicha in place, then there, always, then there remains these two, these two realities. There's the truth of whether reality is, does he actually owe the money or not? Did he borrow the money? And the rav is not able to, the, all, the, the best that he can try to do is to try to figure out what happened. And if he figures out what happened, good. But if he can't figure out what happened because he's going with what it says in Shulchan Aruch and what it says in Shulchan Aruch doesn't always, doesn't always fit with whether or not the reality is did he borrow the money or not, so there's a divide. So, you know, you go to a, a, a rav uh, with, a, with a chicken, you know, back in the day, right? You go with a chicken. Is the chicken kosher or not? The rav is not making the chicken kosher or he's not making the chicken trife. He's trying to figure out what already exists. Is the chicken already kosher or is the chicken already trained? He's not, he's not creating anything new. He's just trying to figure out the reality that already exists. Without smicha, that's what's happening. Whenever you go to a, to a rav with a question, whether it be about a chicken, whether it be about $100, all the rav at best, all he, all he could do is to try to figure out what the reality is already. And sometimes you get it right, hopefully, more than sometimes, and sometimes you get it wrong. If, the, if Reuven, and, if Reuven is, 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 is smart enough to, uh, to manipulate the situation, then, then he can trick the Rav, he can trick the Bezdin, and he can trick them into thinking, you know what, he doesn't owe the money, when in reality he actually does. 
So without smicha, we have these two realities. There's the reality of, of this world, of whether he actually borrowed the money or not, whether the chicken's actually kosher or not. And then there's this other reality that's called shulchan that's called taira, which is very nice and theoretical, but doesn't, they don't always mesh together. The chiddush of smicha is, and this is, we find this in halacha as well, the chiddush of smicha is, is that when a bezdin that has smicha is presented this case of Reuven and Shim, and Reuven is claiming that, you know, you know uh, that Shimon owes him $100. And let's say the reality is, in reality, in physical reality, Shimon did not borrow money from him. So Shimon does not owe him money, in reality. But Reuven is claiming that he does. And Reuven is very smart, and he goes through the whole process, and he knows what to say, and so on. If we're dealing with the Bezdin of Smicha, then the Achorinim say, if the Bezdin of Smicha paskins, that Shimon Taka owes him money, then this is not... Then without smicha, then what happens? Now you just have a scenario where, okay, he, really Shimon does not owe the money, but what, what can you do? Bezin said he does, so he's going to have to be compelled to pay, but he doesn't really owe the money. But with smicha, smicha means, smicha gives the Bezin the ability to take the truth of Torah, this is an akud over here, to take the truth of Torah and to actually make it part of actual reality. Where instead of thinking, of course physically Shimon might not have actually borrowed the money, but because Bezdin with Smicha is paskining, that he owes the money, it means he actually does owe the money, it points out. He actually owes the money. In a, it, without Smicha, there's such a thing that Bezdin can get it wrong. And then the Rabbanu Shem looks at this, at this guy Shimon and says, and he asks Hashem Yisbrach, does he owe the money? Rabbanu is like, no, he doesn't owe the money. Bezdin got it wrong, they got it wrong. But if Bezdin has Smicha, then Bezin has the kayak, the ability to take the truth, the theoretical truth of Torah, and to actually bring it down to planet Earth and make it real. And by doing so, then Shimon actually does owe the money right now. This is the Chiddush HaSmicha. The Chiddush HaSmicha is taking something, taking a truth, a reality that's, that's not tangible. It's not a tangible reality. It's the reality as it's defined in Torah, defined in Shulchan Arach, and to actually concretize it, to make it real, to make it the truth of this world. In other words, to put it in, 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 in other terms, I, I, sw- I spoke about this maybe a couple weeks ago on Shabbos. There's sort of two, uh, think of it in, in this way, you know, I, I mentioned this, that there's two different dynamics that the Rabbana Shalom uses to run the world, right? There is what we call nature, nature. The world of nature cause and effect, that's a reality you can, you can touch, you can feel. It's teva, it's nature. And then there's another system that the Rabbana Shalom uses to run the world, which is miracles, right? Nisim Gluyim, open miracles, things that are completely, completely above and beyond nature. And usually those two systems don't coincide. They don't have any integration at all. Either the Rabbanishim was running the world with nature, which has been for a long time, or he's running the world with a system of miracles, like it was by Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, the times of Tanakh, and so on. Finished. But there is, in those two systems are separate from each other and distinct from each other as a result of not having smicha. You understand? Because not having smicha means there's two truths. There's the truth of, of physical reality. Did Shimon actually borrow the money or not? That exists on its own and that cannot be changed. And then there's the theoretical, spiritual truth of this uh, situation as it exists in Shulchan Aruch. But those two things cannot be integrated. And therefore, if Shulchan Aruch says he owes the money, but the reality is he didn't borrow the money, then guess what? We have this conflict, and it is what it is. But there's no way to truly bring them together without smicha. 
The Chiddush of Smicha is the following idea. The Chiddush of Smicha is, is that nature itself, nature itself is rooted in that which is miraculous. Now this is an idea that I, I spoke about a couple weeks ago, but just to remind you guys of it. We know there's two words in Hebrew that sort of sum up how the Rebbe Hashem created the world, or what, what, what reality is. And that is, yesh mi'ain, something from nothing. Something from nothing. What does something from nothing mean? Something from nothing means, something from nothing means, is that you, look, you take a look, like an apple, you look at an apple, and you think to yourself, where did this apple come from? So, if, if a, so in the world of nature, where does an apple come from? It comes from an apple tree, finished. And where does the apple tree come from? A previous apple tree. That's the world of nature. In the world of miracles, where does this apple come from? Poof, it just came out of nowhere. It's just an apple. Yesh mi'ayin means the ability to discern and to realize, to even look within nature and to see that this apple comes from an apple tree. And that apple tree comes from a previous apple tree. And it goes all the way back to the first apple tree. And then you ask the next question is, and where does that first apple tree come from? And then you realize that even that first apple tree came from somewhere that's nothing. It came from a completely miraculous and intangible place. And so that reality of what's called Yeshmai, something from nothing, it redefines for us what every something is. Yeshmai means is that instead of thinking of nature as one domain, one system, and miracles as a different system, Yeshmai means is that physical nature itself also come, must be coming from a higher place. Otherwise, where did it come from? Where did the first tree come from? This is how Avram Avinu, I was talking about this with Avram Avinu, this is how Avram Avinu became a Yid, right? How? By looking within nature and asking that question, is where does it all come from? And the answer was not just another apple tree. The answer ultimately is that which is infinite, that which is divine, that which is mysterious, that which is intangible. What is, intan- what is tangible, what is nature, what is, what is physical, is rooted in that which is intangible. That's the secret of Yesh Mi'ayim. Smicha is this reality. Smicha is the reality of being able to integrate, being able to, to mesh that which is physical, the reality of nature, the reality of, did Ruvain actually borrow the money or not? To what? With the reality of that which is intangible, the reality of Torah, of whether he owes the money or not. And so smicha gives, the, just as in halacha, smicha gives the bezin the ability to, to redefine in actual terms, in reality, in this world, whether Ruvain owes the money. And they're able to manipulate the, the laws of this world and to say that regardless or not whether he actually borrowed the money, we are paskening. We are taking that conceptual truth of Torah, that ayin, that conceptual, you know, intangible truth of Torah, and we are concretizing it. We are making it real in this world, establishing that Reuven actually owes the money. That is, that is a reflection of this deeper truth, which is that even physical reality comes from that which is theoretical. That instead of thinking that there's Tyra, and then there's real life, those are two separate domains. Smicha means, smicha means, that this world comes from, this world comes from that which is spiritual. Instead of thinking of spiritual in one domain, and physical in another, smicha says that even physical reality itself comes from that which is spiritual. It comes from that place. So therefore, let's think of it in, in these terms. The Chacham of Tzvat therefore understood that the very reality, the very fact that we don't have people walking the earth with smicha, already means it, 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 we're, put, we're being put behind the eight ball in terms of gula. Why? 
Because without smicha, it already means that, that, that there's this wedge that's being driven between the world of nature, the world of physical, and the world of spiritual, the world of Torah. And this divide between that which is tangible, that which is yesh, that which is something, that which is nature, and that which is nothing, and that which is spiritual, that which is miraculous, that, that's, that, that is what Golis is. What, what is Golis? What is exile? What is the difference between our life right now and the life that we're going to lead with Mashiach? When Mashiach comes, there's also going to be gravity. There's also going to be physics. There's also going to be the rules of nature. So what's going to be the change? The difference is that when Mashiach comes, those same rules of nature and those same rules of, of, of Teva, those same rules of physical reality, are going to be pulsating with the, with the root of where they actually come from. See, right now, of course, gravity also comes from the Rabbani Shalom. And everything that's physical, everything that's tangible, comes from an intangible place. But the reality of Golis is, is that we can't feel its source. We don't feel where it's coming from. All we feel is, is, is that the, the effects of gravity, but not where gravity comes from. All we feel is whether or not Reuven actually borrowed the money or not. We can't see, we can't connect it to this higher place that's called Tyre. The, that's what Golis is. The Chiddush of Mashiach is that what? Of course you still have gravity. And you still have physics. But the, the gravity and physics itself will be screaming to you and will be drawing you into the ayin that all the yesh comes from. Therefore the Chum of Sfat understood in order to bring this reality to the forefront we need to have smicha. We need to have people walking the earth that literally carry with them the, 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 the power of smicha. And, and just them being existing in such a way is already going to bring the world that much closer to the coming of Mashiach. That's what they understood. That's what they felt. This is why Dafka going back, it's Dafka Yeshua ben Nun that becomes a leader through the process of smicha. Because what is Yeshua ben Nun's role in terms of the Jewish people's history? <clears throat> Yeshua ben Nun functions really as a bridge. That's what Yeshua ben Nun is. You have the world of Maishu Rabbeinu. Maishu Rabbeinu is what? Torah. Maishu Rabbeinu is miraculous. The Malchus of Maishu Rabbeinu is all miracles. The place that he's living in is in the desert. It's all miracles. Maishu Rabbeinu is that place of Ayin. And then you have what? Then you have Eretz Yisrael. The, the Malchus of, not Maisha, the Malchus of Davon HaMelech. And the Malchus of Eretz Yisrael is what? Is the Malchus of Teva, the Malchus of nature, of, 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 of physics, of gravity, of going to, of, 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 you know, rolling up your, your sleeves and, uh, you know, and plowing the fields and so on. It's this world. But what connects, but, but, but here's the problem. If Maisha Rabbeinu is on one side, and David HaMelech, that's Ayin, that's miraculous, on one side, the truth of Tyra, what it says in Shulchan Aruch about Ruvin and Shimon, these theoretical people. And then you have Eretz Yisrael with Davon HaMelech, which is the actual people, Reuven and Shimon, whether he borrowed money or not. And you don't have a bridge between the two. That's called exile. That's called Golis. That you need a bridge between the world of Meishar Rabbeinu, mm-hmm. where it all comes from, and the world of Davon HaMelech, where it all leads to. You need that bridge that's called Yeshmi Ayin. And that bridge is Yeshua That's what Yeshua was. Yeshua comes to conquer Eretz Yisrael with the, with the power of Maish Rabbeinu. That's what Yeshua is. And therefore, Davka Yeshua needs to be what? Needs to be appointed with the power of Smicha. Smicha, again, means this ability of being able to take the conceptual truth of Torah, where, where this really all comes from, and actually to concretize it, to make it real, to, to take that idea of concept of the ayin, and to infuse that ayin, that nothingness, into the ayin, to show that the ayin, the things of this world, comes from that place. That the people, Reuven and Shimon, that are walking the streets, are coming from the conceptual Reuven and Shimon's that it's talked about in Shulchan Aruch. And to bridge that gap, that's what Yeshua Benun is about. Has that expressed in the Baruch Shem? 
So, right, so the, even within Kriyashma, you have this idea, because Kriyashma is, comp- is comprised of two parts, as we've been talking about. You have Shema Yisrael Shem Kineshem Achad, which is called Yichudi Ilah, the higher unity. What is that? That's the world of Maish Rabbeinu. The world of Maish Rabbeinu means Ayin, it means, it means that place, that place, you know, here. Before, we'll pull back for a second. When... One of the basic differences, and this is we're going to get to now, Tzvats versus Yerushalayim. One of the basic differences between, as things exist, let's say, in Shulchan Aruch, let's give this as an example. You have the Reuven and Shimon, the characters in Shulchan Aruch, right? And then you have the actual Reuven and Shimon down here. One of the big divides between those two you know, faces, those two realities, is that Reuven and Shimon in Shulchan Aruch, it's usually pretty straightforward. It's usually pretty straightforward. It's usually pretty un... It's complicated because Shulchan Aruch is, is hard sometimes, it's complicated. But the, 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 nature, the nature of Reuven and Shimon, these characters in Shulchan Aruch, is that it's klolem. It's klolem, it's general rules. These are the general rules how you operate Reuven and Shimon in Shulchan Aruch. Reuven will come to say XYZ in Besdin, and that's the general principle, and this is the general principle how we respond to it. The nature of that which is ayin, as you climb up the ladder, going be- away from physical nature to its spiritual root in heaven, things become more simplified. Things become more klal. They become more general, inclusive by nature. And think about this for a second. The Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, right? So Moshe Rabbeinu gave us the mitzvah of Shabbos, right? But what did he say about Shabbos? Shabbos is complicated, right? You have mesechtas, you have mamish, you know, know, hundreds of thousands of details in Hilchah Shabbos. But when Moshe Rabbeinu gave a Shabbos, it was very posh, very, very simple. It was, Zochus Yamashazakacha, keep Shabbos, watch Shabbos, that's it. As th- when things, the closer they are to their origin point, the simpler they are. The simpler they are, that's the way it is. When you move away from the origin point, that's when things become more broken apart into a trillion details. You understand? That's the way, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Therefore, in what Moshe Rabbeinu said about Shabbos, it was simplified. When it moves away from Moshe Rabbeinu and it gets all the way to David HaMelech, in other words, when it gets to actual reality, then it becomes like super complicated. How do I apply that idea to this complicated world that we're living in? So the nature, the nature of things is, is that as things exist in their root, they're simple, they're more, they're more general rules. And as they move down to planet Earth, they become more protistic, they become more divided into pieces. But the tachlis, but what's the purpose of smicha? Again, the purpose of smicha is to integrate the two. Is that it be able to feel and to sense those rules, that all-inclusive concept of zochar siyam and and to infuse that into the protein that you're dealing with, with, okay, is this muksa right now, you know? Therefore, when it came to smicha, the way it was, the way it, it, it manifested itself is that you had this divide, where the chum of tzvas felt that what that smicha is based on the rule, the klal of what rubai kekuloi, the majority is like the whole thing, whereas the chacham of Yerushalayim felt no 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 no, you need every specific every person every individual chacham to sign off on this. This is why was that? Why was what's going on over there? That's how it fell apart, because they weren't meeting eye to eye. But what was the Ashkach HaPratis in that? The Ashkach HaPratis is that that's exactly what Smicha is. What Smicha is, is trying to unite these two perspectives. There's the perspective of Tzvas, which is what? 
which is closer, if you compare Tzvas versus Yushalayim. Let's take a second with that, okay? We'll put it all together in a second. Tzvas versus Yushalayim. What types of Eden we're living in Tzvas? What do we, when we think of Tzvas nowadays, right? What, what do we think of? Kabbalah. Kabbalah, Aluf, Ayin, Maish yeah? What's Yushalayim? Yushalayim is the capital, Malchus, that's worth, you know, that's, you know politics, practical reality, broken part. The Reuven and Shimon of Shulchan Aruch, that's called Tzvas. The Reuven and Shimon of reality, that's called Yushalayim. The whole purpose of smicha is to connect tzvas with Yerushalayim. That's the whole purpose of smicha. But the nature of smicha is, and this idea, is that it, it, you're trying to take the klal, the general, the simplified overview, zachar siyam shabbos type of shabbos, of tzvas, and to infuse that into the millions of details of, is this muksa, is this not muksa, how do I do this on shabbos, of Yerushalayim. You understand? You're trying to integrate that which the the the, the, comp- the complexity of the Reuven and Shimon of planet Earth, the complexity of of gravity of nature and all the things of this world, and you're trying to unite that with the Yeshmi'ai, that where it's all coming from, the simple truth where it's all coming from, which is God Himself. Zachar Hashem. Yeah, the Dibracha. So this is why Bashkach Pratis, it was the Chum of Tzvas that they stood on the side of Smicha. They're, they, you know, again, I'm trying to explain this. Whenever you have a bridge, a bridge by its very nature is going to have to have two sides to it, right? That's what it is. You have one side which is Moshe, another side which is David, and then you have Yishu Benun in the middle. They're, but acting as a bridge, Yishu Benun is going to have to have a side of him which is more tilted towards Moshe, and a side of him which is more tilted towards David, right? That's what a bridge does. So this reality of Smich is also going to have, it's going to have to have a side of it which is more tilted towards the simplified, unified world of Maisha. And there's going to be a side of it which is going to be oriented towards the complex, multifaceted, broken apart, complex world of David. Right? There's going to be a part of it which is connecting to the simplified Reuven and Shimon Shulchan Aruch and the complex people, Reuven and Shimon on planet Earth. Tzvas versus Yerushalayim. Tzvas is going to be that side of smicha which is connected to the more simplified truth of Reuven and Shimon as they are in Shulchan Aruch. And because of that, the Chum of Tzvas held that Davka, Davka wasn't just like a kata, like Davka, the, the, all, you, you should only, Rubai Kekula, just have the majority, and that's enough. We, they don't want to start getting involved in taking individual votes. Because the whole in of Tzvas and their, their contribution to the process of smicha is what? Is to re, is to is to bring the light, of, they're focused on bringing the light of Moshe Rabbeinu, which is the light of oneness, the light of include, rule by Kekulai, that, cla- that classic simplified rule, majority is enough. Whereas the Chum of Yushalayim, their side of Smicha is what? Is the Reuven and Shimon of planet Earth, the complex, the, the, the complex parts. And therefore their side of Smicha is to say, no, 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 you got to go to each individual Chacham and ask them what they individually w- want. And you can't start, you can't, pull back the frame and say just Rubik Akuli. you got to go all the way into the details and speak to each and every one and to see what they need. And this is going back to what Yeshua Benun received from Maishu Rabbeinu. That Maishu Rabbeinu asked from Rabbeinu Shalom, appoint a leader, which was Yeshua Benun, Isha Ruach Bai, someone that knows the nature of each individual person. Because ultimately the Tachlis is that that simplified truth of Maisha should be able to be felt and, and experienced in the complexity of the details of this world. That when a person navigates through this world and experiences complex things, to be able to always sense the simple truth that it's all coming from, which is the Rabbanu Shalom himself. 
And so that reality, that reality of, of connecting the simple oneness that everything comes from with the complex reality that we experience, that bridge, that's exactly what smich is. This is, by the way, this is also why the, the smicha that Yeshua received was different than the smicha going forward. The halacha is that going forward when smicha was given, it didn't have to be given physically with like the, the Rebbe's hands on the student. It could have been just said verbally or, with, or, or written. You say that, I confer upon you, smicha finished. But with Yeshua Benun, it was dafka, the hands of Moshe that were placed in Yeshua Benun's hand, uh, head to give him smicha in that way. That's why it's called smicha, because he leaned on him. Why dafka that? So it's interesting, the hands, the Svarmak tell us the hands, the Gemara says that each hand, each hand, every hand is called the Yad, right? Yad is Gemashra 14. You put two hands together, that's Koyach. Koyach, energy, power. Ra, the first Rashi in Chumash tells us that the reason why the Rabbanu Shalom tells us in Torah about the creation of the world is why? Koyach ma'asav higil amay lasav nachas goyim. The Rabbanu Shalom wanted to give us the strength to be able to have Eretz Yisrael. What does that mean? So Rashi says, because the nations of the world are going to claim that what? That list them at them. You're robbers, you're thieves, you're taking our land, you're taking our soul, it doesn't belong to you. So what are we going to say? We're going to open the Chumash and say, listen, the Rabbanu Shalom created the world. Where did the world come from? The world didn't come from just on its own. It comes from Yesh Mi'ayin. It created from the Rabbanu Shalom. And the same God that created the world and created the land of Israel, he decided to give it to us. So you see what that is? Kayach Masav Higalamai. That this strength of the... The, the knowledge of Yeshmi Ayin, let's understand that in a deeper level, Rashi is saying to us, that the, 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 the knowledge and the amuna that everything of this world comes from somewhere deeper, that the Rabbani Shalom created the world, Yeshmi is something from nothing, that's what gives us the strength to conquer Eretz Yisrael. And that's exactly what Yishuv Nun is. Yishuv Nun gives us the conquest of Eretz Yisrael in spirit, in, nature, in, 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 in a spiritual sense, through bimachazik and through enforcing this idea of Yeshmaim, that something that this world, which is nature, the complexity of this world, Malchus of David Melch, comes from Moshe Rabbeinu, comes from nothing. And that Davka is Kayach, the strength of that is the two hands that Moshe Rabbeinu confers upon Yeshua Benun's head. So this is this is this is the Naku that's going out of here. What, to simplify it, I'm gonna try. To simplify it as follows is that what Yeshua Benun brings to the world. And his, and his contribution to Klal Yisrael, again, uh, to say such a thing, a narrow level, is, is to give us that ability to experience complex things in this world, but to always sense within that complexity the simple, simple truth of where it all comes from. This is Hashem's Malchus, and a Malchus means Rishulayim, a Malchus means complex, multifaceted, a million, million moving pieces. And, and pieces moving in opposite directions. But, the tr- but the, what Yeshuvanun says to us is that don't, don't ignore, don't like move back to the Midbar, that's not the point. But the point of Yeshuvanun is that you can be in Yerushalayim, you can be in that complex world of the Reuven and Shimon, of the, the actual people Reuven and Shimon with all their complexity, but remember where it all comes from. And, you could f- and that, that simple truth of Reuven and Shimon Shulchan Aruch will actually uh, it be experienced in the Ruven of this world. So Yeshua gives us the ability of being able to experience that simple truth of, of Hashem Elokein, Hashem Echad, within the complex world of, uh, of life itself. That's exactly, that's what smicha is. That's what smicha was. It's that ability of taking that simple, simple truth of, of, of the spiritual reality and being able to allow it to be experienced and felt in this world where it, since it all ultimately comes from there. And that's, that's what uh, Tzvah, Yisrael Shalom, is. And that's why 
that's why you know whatever it's all you know that, that's why the whole the whole nice over here that Moshe Rabbeinu was appointing Yeshua Nun in the, in the Pasuk this is right after Moshe Rabbeinu was told to go up to Har Nevai, to go up to the mountain of Nevai and look upon the land and Davka by looking upon the land now Moshe Rabbeinu says okay now appoint a new leader the word Tzvas comes from the word Tzvas which means to look to gaze because Moshe Rabbeinu was now being given that mitzvah of looking upon the land. It means there was an awakening, there was an Osiris of Tzvas. And because there's Osiris of Tzvas, then all of a sudden that, that already conjures up the awakening of Smicha, which was motivated by the Chacham of Tzvas. So this is all that's going on. This is why when Mashiach comes to Hashem, those two places, the north of Eretz Yisrael, Tzvas, and the south of Eretz Yisrael, Yerushalayim, those two places will become integrated. We find this in the Svarim a lot, that integration between, between the... the that that simple that simplicity of tzvats with the complexity of Yishlaim, that's mamish the secret of gula. Hashem should help us. We like to to always remember where we come from, even when we're almost getting lost in uh, the places that we're going. Okay.